Brew Strong is brought to you by morebeer.com, where a man can brew like a man. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Here we howdy, are, hey. the Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. It's me, Jamel Zanishef, and my good buddy and partner, John The Rock Palmer. Hey, how you doing, everybody? How you doing, Jay Z? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing fine. I don't think everybody else could answer because they're, you know, oh, that's true. It's like yeah. radio, and it's one way. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you ask them how, I guess we shouldn't pause and, and wonder how they're doing. Oh, uh, but we'll find out how they're doing uh, at this upcoming uh, conference, huh? National conference coming this week. Starts nice. up, uh, you know, s- technically starts Thursday, but you know, all the pre-party stuff, the <laughs> BN uh, Army bus tour, is like several buses rolling around to, to special spots that Justin set up. That's going to be a heck of a time. And it capped is. off by the 4th Anniversary Party, Brewing Network Anniversary Party. It's going to be Wednesday, June 17th, 7 p.m. If you're on the bus tour, it's going to take you there, and it's going to be at the Linden Street Brewery. Starts at 7, goes till I think, about 11 o'clock, and it is going to be a heck of a time. I've been to uh, you know a couple of uh, these BN parties in the past. Even the, They're always a great time. Quite uh, quite impressive. There's going to be a lot of beer there. There's even going to be some homebrew beer from the brewcasters. So you'll be able to taste yeah. the beers that uh, we brew, and uh, you can then say how crappy they are, and you brew better beer than we do. So there you go. But that's going to be a, a world of fun. And then the Brewing Network is doing shows from the uh, NHC, from the, from the homebrew conference, right there in the hospitality suite. They're going to do a, a Sunday session show. Uh, we're going to do the uh, Jamel Show, Can You Brew It? And then we're going to do uh, a Brew Strong episode there as well. And that's going to be Saturday at, at the conference, right there in the hospitality suite. I think it's, uh, what, 5.30 to 6.30? And we are going to uh, uh, have a uh, a wild old time doing uh, our Q&A format, which uh, you guys seem to really enjoy the, the last Q&A show we did. So we're going to go ahead and do it live there. It's going to be uh, an awesome time. And that'll, that'll be a good time, yeah. To top it off, at uh, club night, more beer is giving away a sculpture with the Brewing Network. So if you if you're a, a a donor for the Brewing Network, you get on there, go to the homepage, and there's a like a, a donate button. For as little as two bucks a month, you're in all the raffles, uh, or you can just uh, donate and 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 get some tickets. But um, you donate. Uh, you got to get your donation in by uh, Thursday, June 18th at midnight, because that's when they're going to count everybody that's in on this raffle. And then uh, Friday night at club night is the uh, the raffle for the uh, more beer sculpture. Uh, you can go to the uh, www.thebrewingnetwork.com slash on tap for details about this and uh, many other great things happening in the Brewing Network. Uh, that uh, especially coming up with this this conference, we're going to have a, a load of fun. John, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yep. Uh, we'll all be there. You know, the, all, uh, all the whole crew is going to be there. You can see all your favorites and hang out with us and have some beers. And if you want uh, your boobies signed, uh, John is happy to do that for you. He'll bring uh, <laughs> an extra. As long, as, long as your wife doesn't mind. Yeah. What she got to do with it? She mind that you're signing my boobies? Uh, no, I mean, whoever wants me to sign their wife's boobies, I mean, I'm, oh, I'm happy no. to. I yeah. think it's pretty much dudes that would have you signing their boobies. Oh. You know, homebrew, right. homebrew right. helps build, uh, you know, build the chest <laughs> in, in interesting yeah. ways. A little male bonding there, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you didn't think their wives would want you to sign. I mean, please. <laughs> Come on, John. <laughs> Remember what kind of books you you write. You know? That's true, yeah. <laughs> Wrong kind of books. You want to get into... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you want to get the women asking for you to sign, then that's a whole different a whole different type of book you need to write. Otherwise, uh, you got the dudes. You got the you got the dudes uh, there for for the signing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The more the merrier. Okay. All right. So you're happy with that now? Can we start the show? Are I you, can. Are you are you through through uh, playing around? Almost. <laughs> All right. Okay. But go ahead. All right. Don't wait, don't wait on me. We're 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 gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk lagering today, and uh, not necessarily uh, making lager beers, but uh, all that that'll be a part of it. We want to talk about uh, lagering the the aging part. So you've you've made a beer and you want to take advantage of what this thing you know called lagering is. You hear people talking about lagering their beers or aging their beers, and that's somehow making them better, right? So. John, why don't you start us off? What what uh, is lagering? What's what? Why do you do it? What is it, and what can you expect from it? Okay, well, lagering comes from the German word uh, lagern, which means to store. So we're talking about storing the beer, and you may have heard that you know the purpose of lagering is to you know uh, get the beer cold and get the get the yeast to you know, eat a lot of the, you know, different byproducts and so on, and uh, really clean up the beer. Well, that's not quite true, because uh, when you brew a lager beer, it's not that different from brewing an ale beer. It's just done at a cold, cooler temperature, um, but the yeast are still doing their, you know, their uh, early fermentation, uh, producing byproducts, and then doing their late fermentation, uh, cleaning up of byproducts. Um, that all takes place during fermentation, whether you're doing a lager, a lager beer fermentation or an ale beer fermentation. What makes lagering different is that you have a step where you purposely uh, cold condition the beer and cold age it, um, dropping it down near, say, 30, you know, 32 or 30 degrees um, near zero C. And that activity is to drive clarification. And uh, so when you brew a lager beer, you're essentially doing two steps. You're doing a, uh, a cooler fermentation overall than you do for ales, but um, then you do a cold conditioning step, which is to drive clarification. And uh, we'll talk about how that clarification works a little later. Um, I think we, we also should talk about, you know, uh, what are some of these differences between lager brewing and ale brewing? Just to kind of set the stage, mm-hmm. Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Well, and even though there are differences between the two, you can lager an ale, right? It's yeah. Lagering is not, uh, even though you brewed a, a beer with ale yeast, doesn't mean you can't lager it. Lagering is a is a step or a process that is independent of that. It's it's, uh, That's right. it's still still possible, just like uh, carbonation. You can carbonate both beers. You can both lager both of them. Uh, and the, probably the main thing between a, a lager uh, fermentation and ale fermentation, lager uh, fermentations happen at a cooler temperature, tend to be a, a different uh, type of yeast, and um, the whole purpose is to get kind of a cleaner profile, less esters, um, in in the final beer to you know that clean taste and and we're talking about clean that's that's not a total lack of uh, esters but uh, a reduced or a different type yeah. of esters right because if that's it was right. totally clean if none of that yeast uh, uh, byproduct from fermentation was there the beer would taste horrible it wouldn't taste yeah. like beer right yeah it wouldn't taste like beer yeah so yeah it, then that's that's a good point. I mean, we're we're brewing a the real difference between brewing a lager beer and brewing an ale beer is that you are purposely shifting the fermentation temperature downwards uh, to suppress ester formation, mm-hmm. and so you, then you have less to clean up and and uh, let, you know less uh, ester from, uh, character in the beer afterwards. Otherwise, it's very 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 similar to an ale beer. Well, there's a few things you do in order to to suppress a, that ester formation. One is you know yeast strain selection, but also you know getting a, a, a low temperature of your your wort before you pitch your yeast and, and pitching uh, an appropriate amount of yeast. For most beers, the rule of thumb is always you know a million uh, cells of yeast per degree Plato per millivolt 
And, uh, you know, actually for ales, it, it should be a little lower, you know, maybe three quarters of a million. And for uh, lagers, it's about double that or one and a half million. So not one and two, but three quarters and one and a half. And that's right. what the pitching rate calculator used. And that's what most of the yeast uh, uh, manufacturers are, are talking when they're talking repitching. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, uh, you know, a lower, lower temperature. And it's important to have that lower initial temperature because, uh, you know, the precursors for things like diacetyl are created, you know, the, more, the higher the initial temperature uh, in the earlier stages of fermentation, the higher the uh, precursors for something like diacetyl and the higher amounts of diacetyl you have at the end that the yeast is going to need to clean up. So if you start at a lower temperature... Uh, you know, you'll suppress those things. One of the things that uh, some commercial breweries do when using lager yeast is they, they ferment them under uh, CO2 pressure. And CO2 pressure will also suppress uh, formation of esters. It suppresses uh, uh, fermentation activity. So, um, right. you know, there's, there's multiple ways to kind of achieve this. But uh, the important thing is, you know, proper pitching rates. You don't want to pitch too much. You over pitch, you end up with uh, uh, leftover acetaldehyde. Um, yeah. in your beer. Acetylaldehyde is an uh, intermediary product as they're making uh, ethanol. And what happens is if you pitch too much, it's not going to re-absorb uh, that uh, acetylaldehyde and convert it over to uh, ethanol. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, proper pitching rates, uh, oxygenation, uh, you know, low temperatures. I like to, you know, start out at, say, 44 degrees Fahrenheit, pitch my yeast, let it free rise up to 50 degrees over the first uh, day or two, and then hold it steady at 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees C uh, through to the end and uh, wait for everything to completely finish, give it another day or two, and then, you know, it's all clean. Or you can ramp up towards the end to give the yeast uh, uh, a little more activity, and they will help. Uh, that will help reduce diacetyl and acetaldehyde and things like that. But uh, right. once... I get to that point once I've uh, done my fermentation. It's complete, and that's for a lager or an ale. Uh, and and I'm at that stage. That's when I need to uh, get into this cold conditioning or this lagering phase, right? Right. Yeah, and it, it all comes back to you know we want to produce a beer with a less estuary character. And if you if you think about ale brewing. You know, we've we've talked and, and you've talked on um, on the Jamil show on you know brewing different styles. You know, one way you uh, suppress ester formation is to uh, pit, use a higher pitching rate because uh, a higher pitching rate will um, put less stress on the yeast than a low low, low pitching rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and but when we're talking about the one and a half times, you know, as much. Yeast, uh, or sorry, not one half, the twice as much yeast pitching rate uh, for lager brewing as ale brewing. If we were to put twice as much yeast in as normal and ferment in ale temperature, we'd have a yeast orgy going on there. You know, there'd be such rapid fermentation that we'd get lots of uh, ester formation and lots of acetaldehyde formation. Mm-hmm. So what we do then, and this is this is the whole theory of lagering, is you you cool that beer and cool that fermentation to a cooler primary fermentation temperature, like you like you stated, you know, 45 to 50 degrees, uh, and conduct the fermentation at that lower temperature. Now you have lots of yeast to ferment the wort, but they're doing it more slowly, and you help it helps you suppress these byproducts the, in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you can let it, as you said, you can ra- let it ramp up to a diastole rest at the end, and make sure everything is nice and clean. So. Um, I guess I've just repeated everything you said, but no, no, slightly, slightly different spin on it. No, I, th- I think I think that's uh, important to recap, and and uh, you know it's it's all about uh, yeast growth. You do yeah. need some growth in in the beer, and that's what develops those flavors that are critical to it tasting like beer. If you just took ethanol and poured it into you know, some malt uh, water and carbonate, it's not going to taste like beer. It'd be very right. clean, but it would not taste like beer. And you, so you need that character in there. Now, right. if you're, if you're under pitching and, or even over, or even pitching the right amount and you're putting a lot of oxygen in, uh, that can actually be a problem in that, um, you can again, get too much growth and too much growth is, is one of the things you want to avoid. Not, you know, when the, when those little cells stress themselves out and, 
and uh, uh, you know the, the you end up with the thin walled yeast that are that are under stress, and you get those hot alcohols, or you know there's there's a lot of things you need to be careful of, and it's kind of a balancing act. And I guess the reason why we're kind of going over this and why this is so important. Uh, you know, you might say, well, this, uh, you know, you're just saying this has nothing to do with your ability to lager a beer. You know, you could lager anything, right? The, right. the, the reason we're going over this is that um, lagering is not going to reduce these compounds. You know, if you have a bunch of diacetyl, if you have a huge amount of esters or hot alcohols, lagering isn't necessarily going to reduce those, those compounds down. Uh, the yeast right. are v- doing very little at at, at these uh, low temperatures at 32F or 0C. The yeast are not having a whole lot of activity, and that's not the major uh, function of, of lagering. So if you're going into lagering with a, a, a nasty-tasting beer, it's going to come out of lagering as a nasty-tasting beer a lot of times. It's right. really it's a miracle if it, if, <laughs> if it improves a whole lot. You know, uh, all those things dropping out and, and all that. Well, John, why don't we uh, take a short break? And uh, when we come back, uh, let's get into some of those. Uh, uh, let's get more specific about, you know, temperature reduction uh, down to that, that zero C level. And, uh, you know, whether you need to do it uh, fast or slow or whether it matters. And then uh, the kind of things we can expect to happen during a uh, lagering period. Okay, back after this. Right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More more Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to Riverside Dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. 
Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Fuel, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. Hey, you know what's coming up? What's that? The 22nd Annual uh, Southern California Regional Homebrew Championship. Uh, Inland Empire oh, Brewers yeah. have put that on each year. And, uh, you know, if you are a, uh, a BN Army uh, listener, you get a dollar off. You just uh, you go to the uh, forum under beer events, and uh, you can download a coupon there. It saves you a dollar off of uh, each entry. And uh, that's happening uh, July 25th. Uh, 2009 at uh, Main Street Brewery in Corona, California. And uh, you can drop your entries at uh, More Beer in Riverside or Concord and uh, Culver City Homebrew Supply, Homebrew Wine, Cheese Making Shop, uh, a couple other places. The deadline is going to be June or July 11th at noon. Uh, and uh, you can visit www.hopheads.com for more info on that. And again, you can get the the coupon in the form, the BN form. Just go to the BN forum and uh, and look under there under beer events, dollar off per entry for BN Army listeners. Pretty cool. Get your That's a good competition. Yeah. yeah, let's see what uh, get some feedback on your beers. Maybe some of your can you brew it uh, clone attempts. Got some good recipes in there. Got some really exciting ones coming up too. So I'm. I'm really digging that show yeah i'm really enjoying that show too yeah so uh and actually i'm gonna have some uh some beer when i think i'm gonna bring my obsidian stout uh clone and i'm gonna bring that and uh, a couple others gonna gonna bring that down there to the uh, the national homebrew conference and uh you guys get a chance to taste it i know john's bringing up a keg of uh what what uh, you brewed a red blaster. rocket yeah oh or, yeah the west coast blaster yeah yeah sweet that's gonna well, not sweet, hoppy. Yes, <laughs> it's be, quite bitter, be actually. Yeah, yeah, cool. For, yeah, I, I really like the amber ale style. That I do and too. Like a red red nectar from Firestone, or uh, you know, uh, was it nectar ales? Mm-hmm. The red. It's but boy's been one of my favorite beers. Yeah, I can. I you know, it's a good session drinking beer. You know, all all those mm-hmm. reds. Uh, really nice balance overall in many different ways. All right, let's see here. We were talking about lagers, and we are talking about, uh, we, we kind of went over to fermentation, why it's important to have a clean fermentation, because it's not really going to absorb things. And, right. all right, so I've, I've finished my, my lager fermentation, and my beer is sitting at 50, or maybe I did a diacetyl rest at the end, and it's um, uh, 60. 60 Fahrenheit. And uh, what do I do now? How do I begin the lager? Do I just take that fermenter and make it colder, or what do I do? What's what's my steps and why? Well, it um, if you've done your fermentation right, if you've gotten all of your your yeast activity done during the fermentation step, you can crash cool it. You can just take that thing and set it right in the freezer and drop it down to thirty as fast as you please, because, like I've said. The whole the the real purpose of this cold conditioning is to drop the yeast and also drop haze, uh, because we're looking for real clarity in a lager beer. Um, when when there wasn't, and I'm talking maybe 25 years ago, when there wasn't as good an understanding of what the the purpose of lagering was, and, and you know how to how to consistently produce a good clean lager beer. Um, you know people often uh, started lagering too soon. They would wait one week 
you know, for the fermentation and then start, start slowly decreasing the temperature, mm-hmm. you know, a few degrees a day to get that beer cold. Uh, and because they were trying to avoid shocking the yeast or trying to keep the yeast working longer. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Jamil, it's, you know, really it's better to start your fermentation cold and let that fermentation warm up through its cycle. Uh, and you will get all of that conditioning done ahead of time before you go to before you go to cold conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on you know it depends on how you started that beers to really which method of lagering you need to look at. If you started warm and then get, got colder during primary fermentation, then you need to ease it into the uh, the lagering stage. Also, mm-hmm. you know if you're not sure that you've gotten all your your uh, your fermentation done, you know, in terms of uh, conditioning and and uh, flavor cleanup, you right. probably should you probably should get a wine thief and taste the beer. You know, does it taste like it's done or mm-hmm. nearly done, mm-hmm. um, or does it taste? You know, do you taste diacetyl? Do you taste acetaldehyde? Right. That sort of thing. Well, and uh, what I like to do is, um, you know, again, let it ferment out until I see no activity, airlock not moving at all. And then just let it sit for another day or two. Not going to hurt anything at, at fermentation temperatures. Right. And then I'm pretty sure the yeast have done what they're going to do. The yeast do what they do best at warmer temperatures. They're more active. They're, they're, they're looking for food. They're scavenging diacetyl and things like that that they can utilize. And that's how they clean it up. If you chill yep. them down, they're like, well, oh, time to go to sleep. Forget it. Let's go. And they... they, they uh, they uh, put the the brakes on that, so you might get a little bit of activity. But I've not been one to slowly reduce the temperature. I just put it, you know, I, I keg it, I get it off the 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 yeast. Yeah. I put it in a keg and I stick it in the the cold fridge and just let it sit there. And that's uh, good. Well, and and here's one question for you. Let's say I I overdo it. Let's say I, I I put that beer in the in the the freezer. I want to chill it down rapidly and. Uh, I end up accidentally freezing the beer. Is that going to uh, cause a problem? Um, if you're if you're going to force carbonate, no, it doesn't cause any problem at all. Um, you've probably you know dropped all your yeast and really put them out of out of uh, commission. But um, so, but if you're going to force carbonate, probably not a big issue at all. Uh, you don't. I mean, the like as, as we said, the fermentation really aspect of it should really be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to bottle condition that lager, or if you're going to, you know, if you're going to bottle that beer and carbonate it in the bottle, you're going to want to add more yeast um, when you go to bottling. Right, and, and, what, and what you do there is uh, you need uh, about uh, 20 million uh, cells, um, or 20 billion cells per, uh, you know, five gallon batch or 20 liter batch. So about yeah. a, a billion per per liter of, of beer. So uh, mm-hmm. that'd be like a fifth of a of a White Labs or a Y yeast package or a gram yeah. of dry yeast. Yeah, you you can dump in a whole tube or you know put in a whole packet if you want. Mm-hmm. But really, all you're all you're doing at this point is you're adding enough yeast, uh, and they should be active yeast. You know, you want them to be you know not straight from the refrigerator into the cold beer. You want them to be awake and added to a, uh, a really a warm beer at this point. Let that lager come back up to you know 60 degrees, uh, 10 C, 15 C, yeah, 15 C, um, and then they will they will carbonate that beer. You won't lose any lager flavor. You won't get any you know radical ester formation that's going to change the lager character of your beer at this point, because they're only you know they're only fermenting a small proportion of priming sugar. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a common question I get is you know you know should I after when I bottle a lager beer do I need to keep it cold no let it warm up let it warm up to room temp and let that carbonation happen once it's carbonated then you can cool it back down put it in the fridge and so on and mm-hmm. it's good to go it's like you know it's like ale beer at that point so I would say one thing on freezing if if you do have a, a fairly high yeast load in that beer if if the yeast hasn't flocculated well um, uh, you know you could end up uh, and you're actually getting formation of ice crystals you could freeze some of those cells they could uh, end up uh, autolyze yeah, yeah and 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 that could uh, you know if you've got a lot of yeast in it that could really kind of affect the flavor so you want to kind of be careful of that and and what about uh, like a permanent haze I've I've heard that if you freeze a beer 
the protein and tannin uh, will form a complex that, that just won't go back into solution when it warms up and could be a, a permanent haze uh, from freezing. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't heard that. Um, the I I maybe the maybe that does occur, um, but usually you know the colder you can get the beer, uh, the more you can get the protein and polyphenol haze to coagulate and settle out. Mm-hmm. Now you know may, maybe for if it freezes really fast, you know no, there's no time for it to settle and maybe it hang, ends up hanging around. But mm-hmm. uh, you should be able to get you should be able to get those hazes to settle. Uh, during during the lagering period, mm-hmm. well, and that's, if, uh, well, and that's part of the the process is the colder temperatures make the uh, uh, the, the protein tannin complexes uh, increase in size and then they they drop out, right? Right, right. That's what that's what you're trying to encourage with the colder temperature. And essentially, that's what you're trying to encourage with finings is making a larger. Uh, Clump, clump, yeah. a, a flock of of what what it might be. Increase that that weight, and then it uh, it tends to drop out a little easier. Right, right. That's yeah. That's the way uh, fine engines work. Is they provide, you know, uh, chemical or uh, molecular bonding sites to help these uh, to form a complex between proteins and polyphenols, and uh, help help that that particle take on enough mass to actually start settling out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we're 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 dropping the temperature, and uh, and uh, if if you're lagering for a long period of time, uh, you might uh, end up needing to add more yeast back uh, for your uh, carbonation if you're your bottle conditioning. But uh, and again, you can add more yeast than you need, but uh, you don't want to overdo it because again, if if the beer is going to sit in those bottles for a long period of time. Uh, you know, yeah. too much yeast can 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 also be a bit of an issue. Uh, the 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 rate that I recommend is is the same rate that uh, Sierra Nevada uses on theirs, and I think they do a beautiful job. You, know, you get that very light dusting across the bottle, and yeah. uh, that's that's what they they carbonate with, and that's with uh, no yeast left in there at all. They filter it all out and then add their yeast back. So, I think at at that kind of range, you you should be you should be good. Uh, <clears throat> now, what about these uh, the the flavor development? You know, some flavors do change during uh, during this this lagering period. I mean, the beer does seem to get a little cleaner now. What's what's happening? Why why is the flavor changing? Why is the beer less harsh after uh, a month or two months of sitting in a keg at uh, 32 degrees? What's going on there, John? Well, it, it goes back to the the clarification. You're, you know, the the polyphenols which can provide you know have a certain uh, astringency, you know, if they're high enough, but you know, these uh, contribute some 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 mouthfeel. Uh, they contribute a little bit of uh, bitterness. Um, you have you get you know polyphenols both from hops and from uh, the malts, um, and so these colder temperatures encourage uh, the these polyphenols and and so on to to complex and settle out and that that really does improve the mouth feel and the and the overall uh, flavor of the beer because you've reduced some of the harshness that is would otherwise be present um, there are you know you can get some esterification of fusels if you have some um, there are other you know chemical reactions going on uh, and yeast and so, some small degree of yeast activity going on, but uh, a lot of it, the, uh, the main I think the main difference that you'll taste in the beer is going to be a reduction in the polyphenol load in the beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you'll taste less load in the beer. That's what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the uh, and you also mentioned mentioned the esterification of uh, certain uh, fusel alcohols. So that's a, kind of the uh, hot and solventy and other alcohols. Now uh, I know a lot of people are looking at that esterification. Sounds like you're you're creating more esters. Isn't that isn't that the case there? Yeah, but it's, it's a chemical activity as opposed to a yeast activity. Um, the or well, it is it is still partially yeast activity, but uh, there's there's not that many fusels uh, to work with, and uh, it's a very and at these temperatures, it's a very slow process. So um, 
you can experience a little bit uh, reduction some of the in some of the fuse alcohols, but it's you know, it's a pretty minor path. It's mm-hmm. it's not going to contribute a lot of flavor, but you know that could be one aspect of the smoothing of the beer taste you can experience. Getting rid of um, those hot and harsh alcohols. Right. Right. I, frankly, I, I, I think it's it's more prevalent in uh, in an ale beer than in a lager beer mm-hmm. because of the you know the yeast activity aspect. But uh, that's another another process that can be going on. Is this one of those things that happens though in something like a, a doppelbach? Because in some of the doppelbachs, uh, you know, ah. you, you brew those, and uh, a little bit of a, a an ester in there is is acceptable. Kind of a you know some of those darker fruit esters, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering if that's really you know it's a function of the malts, it's a function of the alcohols, and it's a function of you know perhaps some of this esterification of these uh, these fusel since it's a higher alcohol lager is kind of contributing right. to that and, and and playing a role in that uh the, the, those kind of uh, dark fruit uh, esters you might get yeah. in a doppelbach yeah well a lot of the a lot of the esters that you taste in doublebach are actually melanoidins mm-hmm. melanoidins can have a lot of the same flavors and aromas as esters mm-hmm. um, so because you've got such a high protein content in a doublebach and uh, you've got some darker malts and you're you're you're, you're you may be doing a decoction. You may be doing a, a longer boil. Um, that all of that encourages melanoidin formation, and that's where you got a lot of the stone fruit and uh, dark fruit uh, esters. And it, they're actually melanoidins that are formed during the boiling process. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, you know, you were mentioning. Let's go back to the uh, polyphenol complexes, and uh, uh, you know. Th- one of the things I've noticed is if you leave a beer in a in a you know a beer you see that looks brilliantly clear, you can put that in it's already been lagering you know keg for a month or two and then you bottle it. If you let that bottle sit for a year or two, you will find a layer of uh, fine material on the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, and uh, I'm assuming that's uh, you know more of what you're talking about. It's that that. Uh, uh, perhaps a uh, you know product that's dropping out over time and the beer becomes smoother the the interesting yeah. thing is your your the formation of the head the uh the bubbles uh mm-hmm. become smaller in size and the head retention seems to increase yeah uh you know when you first pour one of these beers this is one of the things i found with uh, a um, uh my first scottish 60 shilling i brewed this thing and uh uh, kegged it up, carbonated it, and when I poured it, it giant bubbles, and the head just went away really quick. And I really didn't like the flavor of it. It was kind of kind of rough. I, I thought it was terrible. Yeah. And for some reason, instead of getting dumped, it got pushed to the back of the fridge. And like a year later, I'm like, you know, what is that keg back there? And I dug it out and took a look at it. I'm like, Scott is sixty. Oh yeah, this was horrible. Literally a year later said, well, you know, let me taste it before I dump it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I poured myself a little glass, and, you know, instead of big bubbles, a tiny, tiny little fine bubbles formed a nice head on it, and the head lasted. It, it wouldn't go away. It, it, uh-huh. You know, you drank the beer, and it was still sitting there like a slug of foam at the bottom. And it was a wonderful beer. I entered in a competition and, uh, you know, started getting first place. That was the first time I had, I had brewed the Scottish 60 and started getting first place uh, awards with that. And, you know, a beer that I thought was horrible. The, you know, a year of cold conditioning made a world of difference in that beer. Yeah, really dropped out the polyphenols. Mm-hmm. And those polyphenols and in, in the large, you know, in a, another name for polyphenol is a tannin. You, a tannin mm-hmm. is a big polyphenol. So you get those, you get those tannins in there from the, the darker malts that you're using as Scottish. Mm-hmm. And a little uh, bit of the, roast barley, or you know, or a, or a black malt of some kind is, yeah. you know, highly kiln malt will. Uh, Add to that, uh, and, and and that kind of powdery stuff is dropping out, huh? Yeah, and and those those particles, you know, early in the beer's life, there they're serving as carbonation nucleation sites. I mean, you know, when you pour all, you know, the CO two starts coming out of solution around those particles, and so and then uh, so you get a lot of you know foaming right away, and because. Uh, you have this particulate matter in the foam. It encourages rapid, you know, uh, rupture and coalescence of the bubbles, and that's why the head fell so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with with the year of cold conditioning going, 
all those particulates settled out to the bottom, and now you didn't have those nucleation sites uh, for the for the foam, you know, to dissipate on. I mean, it that's why it really stuck around. So, yeah, you. I mean, lager brewers will will. I'm sure they'll notice better head retention uh, with time in in their beers. For that very reason, and like we're saying, that applies with ales too, because this, this Scottish right. was obviously an ale, but it it really improved based on uh, you know the the lagering and and that chance to cold condition, let things settle out, and uh, I'm sure if it had uh, you know some sort of contamination in there, it would have just gotten worse. So right, if you have a right. beer that's contaminated and uh, you know you're getting you know no head retention and gassy big bubbles. Uh, no, 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 no. You know this isn't going to do it for you. But if you had clean beer and there's there's it tends to be a lot of these uh, polyphenols uh, in suspension, uh, you know this is is a, is a great way to clear it up. Tell you what, why don't we take a short break and when we come back, why don't we wrap up our discussion of of loggers, uh, lagering and aging, and uh, maybe we should cover you know kind of aging a, a high alcohol beer, and see how that goes, and then uh, some listener questions back after this. Your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. And Seven Bridges has the best selection in the world. Everything is a click away at breworganic.com. Join the mailing list for special deals and regular updates about new products and specials. They have been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for almost 12 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. Check out their huge 11th annual summer sale. Everything organic is on sale until July 15th. Save 10 to 50% on all organic malts, hops, adjuncts, spices, and green coffee for home roasting. Shop early for the best selection and best deals. Seven Bridges is the host and promoter of the National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including a hands-on brewing experience at an organic brewery. Seven Bridges. Visit today at breworganic.com. In the past year, the Brewing Network has been able to add two new shows, expand our studio capabilities and quality, and bring more beer information home to you than ever before. In no small part, this is due to subscribers like you. Thank you from all of us at the Brewing Network. Without your monthly support of any denomination, we could not bring you the very best in live beer radio like Can You Brew It? Brew Strong and the Sunday Session. Haven't signed up yet? Join your fellow brewers in the BN Army. Sign up today at thebrewingnetwork.com for a recurring donation as little as $2 a month. Besides all the great live radio you'll support, every subscriber is automatically entered in monthly raffles for amazing brew gear like a conical fur a temperature control system, or your own draft setup. Become a part of the BN Army today. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're talking lagering and... uh, aging of beers to improve them right make make that beer uh, a better beer than it was when when it started that process of course you have to have a good beer going into the lagering process or aging process and, and then maybe it, it refines some of the character to it and improves it now yeah we're talking mainly lagers but uh you can lager an ale or you can age and condition ale so what what happens um with ales, let's say you have a, we always hear, well, you have a barley wine or a high alcohol beer, and you want to age that thing for a period of time, right? You want to, uh, mm-hmm. what's going on there? What what happens when we age it? And what are we talking about aging? We're talking about uh, room temperature, cold temperatures? What What's the uh, dealio there? Yeah. Well, it, it all depends on the kind of aging that your beer needs. You know, if you if your barley wine is a good example because that's one that you know people have uh, traditionally left in the fermenter for a year, you know, or racked it to a secondary fermenter to get it off the prime yeast cake and let that sit for a year before they would bottle it before they'd start drinking it. Well, really, it's quality in equals quality out, and all the same principles we talked about when brewing brewing with lager yeast. Um, and getting a good fermentation of that lager apply to ales and strong ales where uh, you want to encourage the yeast to not produce as many byproducts up front and then encourage them to clean up those byproducts at the end of fermentation. That's how you get the cleanest tasting beer. Um, And now with an ale yeast and particularly a barley wine, you are going to get a lot of ester formation. And that's okay. That's part of the character of the beer. Uh, What you don't want are diffusal alcohols, and you don't want diacetyl, um, or at least not lots of diacetyl. Uh, You don't want much DMS um, because uh, these things, uh, you know, really uh, don't go with the the style. the DMS is not going to go away. That's that's something that, that the yeast do not um, take care of for you. They'll take care of diacetyl if you give them enough time. Um, but uh, so it's your yeast will take care of uh, these you know, organic kind of flavors, and uh, cold you know, warm conditioning will take care of those kind of those yeast you know type, organic type flavors. The cold conditioning, whether you do it to a lager or an ale is going to take care of your clarification issues and help you deal with uh, polyphenol harshness that may be present in the beer. Mm-hmm. So to age a high-alcohol a- beer, um, you know, let's assume that the yeast were under more stress during that fermentation due to you know, uh, maybe, maybe inadequate pitching levels, uh, maybe due to the higher alcohol content, um, you know, the the yeast are going to produce more byproducts during that fermentation, so they may may need a longer warm maturation time to clean up the to clean up what it could clean up, and then 
you're going to want a, a nice cold conditioning time to encourage the clarification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're we're also in a way developing some flavors in uh, an ale like a high alcohol ale like a, a barley wine, right? right. Part of the uh, the conditioning. Uh, you know, one thing I, I had heard in the past is that. Uh, for winemakers, uh, you know, they had, uh, you know, kind of perfected temperature control. They wanted to have, you know, a flawless cellar, uh, you know, at, uh, let's say, 50 Fahrenheit, 10 C, or, you know, <laughs> where, whatever they're cellaring their beer, their wines at. And they kept it, you know, perfectly steady because they didn't want anything to uh, interfere with the wine. And what they discovered was a perfectly steady temperature actually does not help the wine develop it was actually micro fluctuations in temperature uh you know right. the, the temperature the shifting to by, by a degree or, or so uh or less uh actually helps the, you know the wine develop and uh, i think you know something as similar is true on beer though i'm not really sure why since uh, you know we're using sealed uh, containers uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, in a in a you know oak vat or something like that, you could see some of that development, but uh, not necessarily in uh, you know a uh, you know in, in a sealed bottle. But uh, mm-hmm. what do, what do you think of that? Is there is there some truth to that that uh, the fluctuation in temperature has some uh, impact on a beer? Well, I, I think so. I, I, the fluctuation in temperature would certainly um, uh, it would drive the yeast to, you know, increase or decrease activity, um, you know, whatever activity, you know, whatever activity they're in. Um, I think also, uh, I think we got to look at, you know, what kind of reactions uh, are possible in the beer. I don't know that the, yeah, I, th- I I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to believe Jamil that. Uh, a lot of the changes that you experience with uh, uh, extended aging of a uh, of a strong ale have to do with um, some oxidation character mm-hmm, occurring, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some you're getting some uh, oxidation, oxidation of alcohols and yeah, from the melanoidin contents, mm-hmm. you because know, there's there's an equilibrium going on there. Um, you get some you get again you have uh, polyphenols. Uh, Inter- you know, uh, interacting those reactions, uh, you get polyphenols settling out. Um, let's see, you would get um, you know more melanoidin development, more Maillard reactions going on, going on slowly, but still occurring in a in a in a warmer you know I guess a a fifteen C you know sixty degree uh, temperature environment. And fluctuating those temperatures could uh, cause different uh, reactions to occur, different melanoidins to form, different uh, different oxidation reactions to occur, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and get and get some variety going right. there. Well, that's why uh, you know if you get to beers that. Uh uh, are, are oxidized in a certain way. Um, for example, you get a commercial beer, and you can tell that it's oxidized from you know the the caramel malt kind of character that yeah. that comes on. It comes on much stronger, and it, it develops this 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 uh, huge uh, kind of uh, oxidized caramel character. And I think that's what you're talking about with the Maillard reactions, uh, mm-hmm. kind of l- lending to that. And sometimes people go, oh no, no, that you know they don't realize that it's actually uh, you know oxidation character. Yeah. Now what yeah, about? Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that's that all adds to the complexity of a strong ale. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sure, but in a uh, American pale ale, probably not such a great thing. No, <laughs> you don't because you you don't have enough other flavors to bounce that off of right. to, you know for it to blend with. It just kind of sticks out. Right. And uh, what about hops? Now, uh, you know, hops uh, themselves, they're going to, uh, you know, the hop hop bitterness will actually uh, decline significantly in, let's say, six months. I've heard that uh, your IBUs can drop in half within the the first six months. Um, Right. Again, that's due to polyphenols mm -hmm. because when they measure IBUs, um, hop polyphenols uh, have a lot to do with that measurement because – IBUs like uh, beer color are measured by absorption. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they do, you know, they do some solvent extraction to try to isolate the the hop compounds for that absorption measurement. But again, hop polyphenols they have a play a large role in that. And uh, with time, uh, these polyphenols complex fall out of solution. Um, a lot of alpha acids, you know, are sticking to yeast. So as the yeast flocculates and continues to drop out of solution, it will also take away some bitterness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a couple of mechanisms where your hop, your hop IBUs and the perceived bitterness in that beer is going to decrease with time. Mm-hmm. Now, what about uh, one of the questions that's come in on the chat is uh, uh, hop uh, alpha acids to beta acids. Now. Um, the or, or, or hop alpha acids compared to uh, uh, beta acids and the oxidation of one or the other. Um, right. But once those are isomerized, does that really occur? Does the uh, the oxidation of those uh, alpha or beta compounds uh, occur, or once they're isomerized, are they kind of uh, uh, you know locked in in a way? Um, I th- I'm pretty sure that isomerized alpha acids can and do degrade can they also will break down because um it's it's uh isomerization is you know is a is a twisting of the chemical form mm-hmm. and so you, there can be an equilibrium of you know twisted untwisted and and so yeah you, there will be uh there can be degradation of isomerized alpha acids into an unisomerized and uh though there's no reason those you know, because we're talking about the same chemical structure, there's no reason that those alpha acids can't oxidize. And the oxidized form of alpha acid is not bitter. The oxidized form of beta acid is bitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've got melanoidins you know, in the beer uh, and polyphenols, there you have... Uh, you have oxygen contributors for oxidation reactions of beta acids. So there's going to be that, you know, that chemical equilibrium going on too. Going to be, a, you know, it's going to be a subtle, you know, small process going on, but it will occur. So yeah, that's there's there's that avenue for, you know, both a decrease in alpha bitterness and a slight increase in beta bitterness. Mm-hmm. And um, all right, so. I think uh, you know that's a pretty good rundown of what lagering is and aging, what might be expected. Uh, let's see. Uh, you want to kind of recap for us what would be the things for people to take away as far as um, uh, you know. Next time they're getting ready to uh, lager or age a beer, uh, what what's the the important points to remember? Well, I think the important points are to to separate the two processes, fermentation and lagering. Fermentation is all about um, cleaning up, you know, yeast character, and lagering is, is the aging is all about uh, cleaning up the polyphenol uh, character, uh, and then. And as we discussed, there are also oxidation reactions that will occur over time, and and you know understanding how you know where those are going to come in. But um, you want you want to finish that fermentation before you cold condition, before you cold age that beer, um, because uh, that clear the uh, the cold conditioning won't clean up diacetyl or acetaldehyde. Um, it won't really clean up fusels very much. So you want to have a good fermentation up front to control those. Um, now, what lagering is really good at is clarifying the beer and reducing polyphenol harshness. Um, you will also see uh, some some uh, brightening or some clarifying of the beer palate and, and the, the flavors from uh, clearing these polyphenols from the beer, you'll have less of a green beer character after a lagering period. It'll it'll be a, a more polished beer. And and frankly, you know, going back to our uh, our filtering show uh, last time, you know, uh, if you filter a beer and uh, you know do put it through a fine filter where you can you know take out some of these uh, polyphenols and so on, you can clean up the beer that way and clean you. Know, Getting getting some more of the yeast out by filtering than than you would from say a, an equivalent three month lagering period. 
mm-hmm. you can achieve the same kind of flavors and Mike remarked on that. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, a, you can there's that trade-off between you know cold conditioning or filtering to, to achieve uh, a more a more finished beer profile, a more refined beer character. Mm-hmm. Great. I think that's uh, a wrap then on lagering. I think okay. uh, you've you've done a, a spectacular job as always in, in educating us <laughs> about uh, the finer points and the science behind lagering and why you do it and why you'd uh, find that to be um, uh, you know something you want to do probably on just about every beer. You know, I, yeah. I think every beer can uh, you know benefit. benefit from some sort of uh, cold conditioning period or even just aging period. Or you let some of these things settle out, uh, you know, or if you're, you know, filter, like on one of our other shows, uh, filter going to kind of accelerate things for you. But it's a good opportunity to uh, kind of mellow out the flavors and, and let things kind of marry yeah. and, and improve. I always find that, that all my beers, I want to let them uh, have a conditioning yeah. period as well. Yeah, I can see, Jamil, we're going to have to cover cast conditioning at some point to kind of counter this show right there's just there's like a, you know <laughs> there, there are just a, a million topics we got to cover and and uh also a little time but you know you know 20 years from now we'll still be sitting here uh, covering topic after topic and uh, hopefully uh, knocking out as many That's as right. i can until that time uh you know make sure you're uh, hitting the uh, brewing network uh, site the brewing network.com you know visit the store you can pick up uh, john's uh, uh, seminal work on uh, how to brew and you can pick up a copy of brewing classic styles some shirts uh, hats all that good stuff yeah you can get it at the brewing network help support the brewing network or donate and uh, get automatically entered in that raffle don't forget at the conference you don't have to be there but you can win a more beer sculpture at the uh, national homebrew competition uh, you know, and it'll be a great time. We're all going to uh, be there and uh, have a wonderful time at the BN party. Until then, a Brew Strong. Brew Strong, everybody.